Welcome to Mythology Breakdown, the podcast where two people who know nothing about mythology teach you about mythology. We also talk about legends, folklores, and tales from around the world. Um, we had a bit of a rough start today. Our cat decided to walk all over our equipment. Yeah. And um, we are in a bit of a time crunch today as we are recording before I go to work. Um, so let's get started. Let's just dive right in. Yes. So who um, are we going to be talking about today, Cece? Athena. Yeah. Also called Athene. She is... Oh, hello, cat. She is a Greek goddess. Um, one of the most famous Greek goddesses. I feel like most people know who Athena is. But let's learn more about her because she has quite an interesting background. Yes. So she is the goddess of wisdom, courage, inspiration, civilization, law justice, strategic warfare, mathematics, strength, strategy, arts, crafts, and skills. Holy shit. Yeah. She's got a lot going on. Yeah. <laughs> um, she's often the companion of heroes. Um, I'm sure Tony will talk about this a little bit later, but you can see her in the stories of um, Perseus, Theseus, Odysseus, all of the us's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, She's, yeah, she's a hero companion, and she's the patron goddess of heroic endeavors, so it makes sense that she's involved in a lot of these stories. Oh, yeah. I wonder if you guys can hear my cat purring right now, because he's purring super loud. Uh, probably not. The microphone picks up a lot, but it doesn't pick up a lot. <laughs> so, I think Tony has a story of Athena's birth. Do you want to tell that really quick? Yeah. So, uh, her father, Zeus, I know this oh, doesn't... Yeah. Uh, trigger warning, I have ticks. Oh, yeah. Uh, trigger warning ticks. Uh, they're vocal ticks. She'll probably say beans, slap me a couple of times, or slap the table. It happens. Um, also... And we're doing things a little bit differently today. We're not going to be doing two separate sections. We're going to kind of be going back and forth. So the break will be a little bit weirder than normal. Um, but we'll, we'll find a good place for it. Yeah. We'll figure everything out as it goes. Okay. So, Athena's birth. Uh, her father, Zeus, was married to the daughter of Ocean, or Metis. Uh, Metis became pregnant, but Zeus had been warned by Earth that his wife would be would bear a son who would overthrow him from his throne. So, Zeus swallowed his pregnant wife to prevent the son from being born. Sound familiar, anybody? Uh, months later, he began to suffer from a serious headache. The pain was so bad he actually asked had to else he actually had to ask Hephaestus for help or the craftsman god we talked mm -hmm. about him a while ago. Mm -hmm. uh, Hephaestus used an axe to carefully open Zeus's forehead. From the opening, a fully grown woman emerged, suited, ready for battle. Zeus had named her Athena, so she literally came out of Zeus's forehead. I think I talked about that a little bit more later on. Yeah. Literally ready for battle. Uh, it is said that because the girl grew up without the presence of a mother, she took on more masculine traits, enabling her to develop the skills and become known as a warrior. Mm -hmm. Get out of my pudding. <laughs> <laughs> Cat's on my lap. <laughs> okay. So, yep. She sprang fully, grown from the head of Zeus through Hephaestus. Our cat's in a box. Our cats are killing me today. I hope you guys enjoyed cat patter, because that's what we have. <laughs> welcome. Welcome to Mythology Breakdown, the podcast where you can hear our cats in the background. That was loud. <laughs> that All went right. above the zero decibel mark, CC. <laughs> so, there's 
other stories of Athena's birth. <laughs> yeah. In which she didn't have a mom. Yes. Um, but the Metis story is the most common one. And Metis, yes, she's the daughter of the ocean, but she's also the goddess of crafty thought and wisdom, which actually explains a little bit about Athena and kind of where she got those traits because um Zeus is not very smart. No. So, it makes sense that she got her brains from her mom. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, she's she's seen in both of the most famous Greek texts, the Iliad and Odyssey. Yes. In Iliad, she is described as being fierce and ruthless. And in the Odyssey, she's described as being angry and unforgiving. But we know that's not all she is. We know that. Yeah. Um, she is the protector of civilized life. I go into this more a little bit later, but I mean, she is the patron god of most cities. Like, oh, yeah. She is big on civilization. Which I actually have a story about that a little bit later. Oh, yes. Um, I think I have a cue for that as well. Hey, dope. <laughs> Look at um, us being somewhat organized. So I am actually going to turn the time over to you. Did oh, you do the story of Arachne? Uh, Tony! No. I literally said the story of Arachne was one of the ones that I wanted to discuss. I couldn't find it. Literally, I scoured the internet, but... Did you look up the story of Arachne? Yes. I'm gonna gonna do that while Cece's talking. Continue talking, Cece. Um, so Athena's also the goddess of spinning and weaving, and there is a super famous story about Arachne... Stop, hmm. stop looking at me. Hmm. She's giving me a, a hmm. look right now. Because he said that he uh, looked it up. And I scoured the internet for stories of Athena and the Arachne story never popped well, up. You, I'm I, sorry. I said Arachne, so I'm, you should have just searched up Arachne. Because look, he searched up Arachne and there I'm it was. sorry. Percy, you need to go away. <laughs> so the one of the most famous stories of Athena, although apparently not according to Tony. According to the internet. When, well, when I searched when I thought, stories when I of think, the goddess of Athena and Arachne never popped up. Well, when I think of Athena, I think of the story of Arachne. And maybe that's because I have an intense fear of spiders. But either way. <laughs> so I'm going to turn the time back over to Tony to tell us the story of Arachne because he managed to find it. Yes. And oh. real quick, we're going to throw the cats out of the room. Good God, please. Goodbye, cats. They're so annoying. Goodbye. He's staring at the door, not Goodbye. wanting to leave. Uh, okay, so while Cece's getting the cat out of the room... Oh, Athena wants to go out now, too. Speaking of <laughs> she Athena. sprinted. Yeah, we have a cat named Athena. We do What's have up? a cat named Athena. Uh, and a cat named Perseus. Yeah, and we had one named Apollo, but he ran away. Because... Because he hates us. Uh, Upon hearing Arachne's claims, Athena, in the body of an old woman, approached her. Thinking she was merely talking to someone insignificant, Arachne boasted once again of her ability... Her ability. Why does it not... Did you start in the middle of the story? I did. (laughs) Okay, so basically she was just like, Yo, I can build beautiful tapestries. Screw you. I'm the best person ever. It's literally what that just... I'm paraphrasing here. Uh, basically, Arachne boasted once again about her ability and said she would easily challenge the goddess herself if she could. Sick of Arachne's insults, the goddess revealed herself to the young maiden. Bam! 
literally. Uh, the woman who had been watching on dropped to their knees with fear and awe in the presence of Athena, but not Arachne. She remained determined, ready to stand by her promise of a challenge. Uh, the challenge... Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> wow, your ticks are on point today. Uh, the story of Arachne and Athena ends with a weaving contest, each desperately trying to better the other. Athena created a tapestry of all the Greek gods on Mount Olympus, woven from the very fabric of the earth as only a goddess could. Threads of clouds and blades of grass made for the most stunning of pieces of work. There's a lot of ofs right there. It represented the gods in all their spectacular power and glory. Arachne's depiction, however, was much different. While still intricate and breathtakingly beautiful, she depicted the gods at their worst, drunk and disorderly and abusing their power as some of the worst Greek gods often did. You can only imagine the reaction from Athena. Uh, Athena was horrified by this blatant mockery of the Olympian gods, and she and if she was being perfectly honest, also a little a taken taken aback. Wow, by the perfect beauty of Arachne's work. Other than the blasphemous depictions, she could find not a single fault. The this extraordinary yet offensive work of art was all too much for Athena to handle, and she exploded into a violent rage. Same. <laughs> Uh, turning to Arachne, she inflicted her punishment. The color drained from Arachne's face as she felt the beginnings of the Greek goddess's spiteful curse. She began to sprout legs, one after the other. Which is a terrifying thought. Because can you imagine just a human just randomly growing, like, one leg, and another leg, and another leg, and then another leg? You just keep growing legs right in front of your eyes. I would be terrified. I would be terrified. Oh, yuck. Yuck! Oh, we are posting this picture. That's gross. <laughs> it's literally a naked lady with eight legs. Six, eight, technically. Ten, technically. Uh, eight, including her arms. Yeah. Uh, turning, blah, 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 blah. She began to sprout legs one after the other. She grew more eyes until she had eight, and eventually Arachne was no longer a beautiful maiden. Athena had turned her into the very first spider. Can you imagine living before this time? That would be so nice. <laughs> to this day, Arachne continues to weave delicate and intricate works of art of a different kind. The story of Arachne and Athena is, of course, where the word arachnid comes from. There you go. That's messed up. Yeah, no, I I, I know. That's why I want to talk about the story of Arachne, because also, it's so messed up. this picture is disturbing. We'll censor it. Well, oh no, that doesn't matter. It's there's a sword going through that guy. Yeah, okay. we're definitely posting there, this picture. But there's also titties. That's <sighs> <laughs> they heard the sigh. It's okay. Uh, everyone knows that CC's fed up with me by now. Uh, that was found on www.definitelygrease.com. <laughs> when you don't research arachne and you just search Athena, apparently. Whatever. But yeah, that's the story of arachne. So, back to Athena herself. She wields a shield called Aegis, which has the head of Medusa, which Tony will talk about more later. We already discussed Medusa once, but we're going to look at another version of the story. Yeah, we're going to look at the not-messed-up version, where Poseidon rapes Medusa. We're going to look at the other version. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna look at a we're gonna look at a nicer version. Yes, <laughs> one that doesn't involve bad things. And did you know that on at least one occasion she was able to wield Zeus's lightning bolt? Yeah, I I I knew that 
at least once in mythology, she was able to wield it. I didn't know. Do you know when? I don't know exactly when, but... Huh. I'm sure it'll come up again. I mean, I could probably find it. <laughs> so, um, she is also... Her... I'm sorry. Her, uh... Symbols are owls and olive trees, and we'll get into the olive tree a little bit later when Tony talks about Poseidon. You did find that story, right? Yeah. (laughs) Giving me attitude and and stuff. Um, so, oh, she is also a virgin goddess alongside Hestia and Artemis. Mm -hmm. Although, how is Hestia a virgin goddess when isn't she the mom of, oh no, that's Demeter and Persephone. Yep. Has to be a different person. I'm mixing up my names. Way to go. So I wanted to look, take a closer look at the festival of Athena because Athena has, you know, one of the biggest well-known festivals of yeah. all time. Yeah. So being a Greek priestess, and this is interesting, meant that you would get payment, property, and respect from your peers. Because in ancient times, you know, women weren't often given a lot of respect. But if you were a priestess then you had, you were basically equal to a man. Yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty dope. Um, So, this was especially true of Athena's priestesses. Um, so, every July, the cult of Athena Polias, or the protector of Polis or community, would have a festival, and it was called the Panathenea. And I'm going to get that more into that in just a second. Um, high priestesses were often members of the noble family, and these were the most powerful. And these girls were called, and I'm sorry, I'm about to butcher this name, Etiobutade. Where is it? Huh? No, that sounds about right. Etiobutade. That's the first time I've said that out loud. Um, and they carried political and religious influence. So it is kind of like a backslide because only the nobles and royals were given respect, power, and stuff. Yeah. But it's still pretty cool because even noble women often weren't given a lot of power. Yeah. Um. So the Pan-Athenian Festival celebrated Athena's birthday every year. And Athena was a representation. You have your bag... Have your bag on her spot. I know. This is this is our dog Chloe. She has no Greek influence of her name. No, because we didn't name her Chloe. Nope, we got her as Chloe. Hi, Chloe. There. Now that we're not annoyed by any of the uh, critters <laughs> anymore. Okay. So the Pan Athena. Now I'm not gonna be able to talk. Pan Athena Festival. Celebrated Athena's birthday, and Athena represented power and devotion. So this was like a huge deal in Athens, especially. And every four years, they would have the Greater Panathenian Festival, which included the Panathenian Procession. That's a lot of peas. I know. That's a lot of panna, 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 panna. Pina colada. That sounds so good right now. <laughs> We don't drink. Only G Fuel. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, um, one of the biggest parts of the Panathenaic procession is 
that every year the Athenians, the, the Athena statue, the big statue, got a new peplos or rope. And special girls, two noble girls, would be chosen by Archon Basileus as Arapheroi. Nice. So they would basically be chosen, cho- chosen, chosen, <laughs> chosen by special chosen. people in, and they would be, live with the high priestesses and they would help make this garment that they would, you know, wrap around the statue every year. It would be shown in the parades that they would have because they had parades back then. Right. And I mean, yeah, like this festival was a huge deal. How big of a deal was it? Huge deal. And the last no noble fact that I have is that young noble virgins called Canaferoi carried baskets and animals to be presented and sacrificed to Athena. Nice. Yep. <laughs> um, also during this festival, there was basically Athena games, which are similar to the Olympics now. And the winners would get... A amphore, which is a jar with two handles. I, you would know it if you see one. We'll put a picture of that as well. Yeah. Um, and it would have Athena painted on it, and it would have the best olive oil available in Athens. But what were the Athenic games for? Who were they for, Cece? Were they for anybody? Know. Probably just men, because nope. sexism. They oh, were wow. actually only for women. Hey! Oh, yeah, because there's the Athena games. No, I thought that there was a Hera version of the games. Uh, there is a Hera version of the games, but Athena Athena had her own. All the gods had some version of a of game. The, and that's why we got the Olympics. Yep. There we go. Look at that. People who know nothing about mythology are teaching you about mythology. And also ourselves. A person who doesn't know anything about mythology gets taught mythology. There you go. <laughs> Um, so I think this would probably be a good place to take a break. Yes. When we come back, we'll finish up a little bit more about Athena, kind of her roles in some mythologies. Tony's going to tell us a few more stories. Not a long episode, but, you know, we'll make it work. We always do. Yeah. So, uh, go get a drink of water. Take a nap. I'm not going to take a nap because I have to go to work. Yeah. And Um, we're going to be back in like 30 seconds. So. Yeah. So we'll see you soon. (laughs) Welcome back to Mythology Breakdown, the podcast where two people who know nothing about mythology teach you about mythology. Why are you going back to your intro once again? <laughs> because why not, Tony? Because I did. <laughs> it's so much stuff I gotta edit. Oh, you don't have to edit that out. <laughs> okay. I put it on purpose. Well, you just ran into the- <laughs> she needs to stop the laying dog down was behind laying me. Down beside the, behind the chair. <laughs> so Tony is gonna start us back off. Yes. With a story that we've already discussed once, and we're going to look at it from another light. Maybe we'll take a second and we'll compare and contrast the two stories. Yeah, that'll work. All right, I'm going to turn the time over to you. All right, so the story of Medusa. Like Cece said, we've talked about the story of Medusa <laughs> in the past. Um, we talked about the, the, the gross story. The now gross it's time story. for the, the sad, cursed origin yes. story. Yes, now yeah, we're going to. that was the name of the episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good job, yay. Uh, but now we're going to talk about the 
old story, not the yeah a different version. Of yeah, the a different story. version. Uh, so it's called Beautiful Medusa. Uh, it was the name of the thing that Do I. Do you took know where from. you got it? Uh, I I could find it. I'll add it into the end. We need to start putting our uh, citations at the end of the uh, notes for the episode. Yeah. Whoops. Sorry. Uh, I write all mine down. For Medusa was strikingly beautiful. She was kind but vain and boasted of her beauty whenever given the chance. So she was very narcissistic. What uh, the heck? No, she wasn't. This is what this story is saying. This is the other story. What the heck? This is the other story. We talked about the rape story. This is the not rape story. That's uh, our first difference right there. She would tell people that her skin was more beautiful than freshly fallen white snow. She would say that her hair was brighter than the sun and her eyes greener than the sea. While all of this was true, Medusa was unknowingly laughed at in the town for her arrogance and boasting. One day, Medusa decided to visit the Parthenon with her friends. It was her first time visiting the largest temple in Greece. She walked around and admired all the statues, including one of Athena. She noted out loud to her friends that while the statue was beautiful, it would be more beautiful if it were her instead of Athena. The priestess or the priestesses at the temple gasped and visitors began to file out. They knew that Athena would be angry with Medusa for her comments. This story is making me so angry. Well, this is the other version. The temple was almost empty, but Medusa didn't notice at all. She was eventually alone, but only for a moment. Athena made herself present and scolded the beautiful woman for her vanity, telling her that there was more to life than just looks. Medusa tried to argue with the goddess, telling her that her beauty served as an inspiration to others, but Athena would hear nothing of it. She told Medusa that one day her beauty would fade away. She then decided Medusa was no longer worthy of her beauty and turned her into a monster with hissing snakes as hair and the body of a serpent. Athena told Medusa that she would be forever cursed. Anyone who looked her in the eyes would turn to stone forever. The same went for Medusa herself. If she ever looked in the mirror, she too would turn to stone. Athena then sent Medusa to live at the end of the earth with the Gorgon sisters to save innocent people from being turned to stone. I hated every second of that story. I hated every second of it too because I felt like it was a shitty fanfic that I was reading. <laughs> but that is legitimately, I got it off of, uh, I think it's like Greek greekstories.net or something like that. Still, that is so, so weird. Yeah. I mean, it is just completely opposite from the first story that we discussed. Oh, yeah. And so it makes me wonder what the origin text of this is. I haven't come across it in any of my studies yet. But when I do, I'll be sure to uh, I'll be sure to say something in here because I'm really interested to see what the actual origin story of Medusa is, and maybe I'll ask my teacher about that. I'm taking a mythology class right now. Yeah, the mythology and rights class. It's actually kind of cool. Yeah, we just discussed Roman. You know, we did our Romulus and Remus in our episode with that and the origins of Rome. We kind of discussed that in our class this week. Had a little bit of a leg up because of that episode. <laughs> Um, and then this week we're discussing the Middle East, which I know nothing about, so I'm super excited to get there. All right, so do you have any more comments about the Medusa story? No, not really. Okay. Other than I hated it. And Other than I hated it. Me too. <laughs> like, it's just so off-putting to hear that, like... I know it was kind of a booty head. And he, kind of, she deserved it in that story. Oh, yeah. She 100% deserved it. She 100% deserved the Perseus portion. 
Oh, yeah. If we're basing it off of this story. Uh, yeah, with this story for sure. Yeah. Okay, so words often associated with Athena include Pallas, which is girls, P-A-L-L-A-S, Parthenos, which is virgin, and Promachos, which means of war. A truck just went by. <laughs> <laughs> so, and Promachos, which is of war. There you go. Now you have a spot to edit. Um, so she was often known for her patriotic, defensive, and strategic warfare. So, I mean, she was basically the opposite of Ares. Have we discussed Ares or Mars yet? I don't I think you, I think, think you touched so. on one of them. I, I kind of touched down on Ares when I was talking about Hephaestus. Okay, yeah, I don't think we did an, did an Ares episode. Um, but she was the opposite of Ares when it came to war. Ares is very much so in your face. Let's get this done. Let's do this now. And she's more like, well, let's figure out what our plan is. Yeah, she's very strategic. Very much so. Um, her sense of justice is avenging. So she would be an avenger. Also, oh my God. I just want to discuss the fact that Love and Thunder is going to introduce Greek mythology. It might introduce Greek mythology. I think it's going to. I was reading online and I couldn't find anything on the Greek gods introduced in Thor. I did, though. I can't remember where I found it, but I'm definitely super excited about that. It was on Facebook. Could you imagine the Greek gods in Marvel, though? Okay, but could you imagine, I mean, just like how we talked about in our uh, last week's episode with uh, Ra and, Mm -hmm. like, all of them, like, in Civil War, they talk about Bastet and all that kind of stuff. At Mm -hmm. least uh, T'Challa does. I think they talked about Bastet and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Spoiler alert. Even though that's always said, I think Bastet was discussed, but... yeah. If you haven't seen Falcon and the Winter Soldier yet... You should watch it. It's good. If you haven't seen Falcon and the Winter Soldier yet, you should watch it. It's good. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and plus, okay, but also to kind of go on to the whole gods thing, all of the Norse gods are dead, except for Thor. All of them. That we know of. Odin is dead. Well, that we know of, yeah. That we but, know of. I mean... And uh, I think... When is Love and Thunder released? Or when like is it based? No, when is it based? Oh, I have no idea. I thought I think I saw something about it being based in the 80s, but I'm not quite sure. Why would it be based in the 80s? I don't know. We'll see. Well, if it's based in the 80s, then... Spoiler alert. Uh, if it's based in the 80s, then when uh, Jane Foster... Jane Foster wouldn't be alive yet. Oh, yeah. Because Jane Foster is making a comeback in this movie. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I, I I don't know too much about it. All I know is I'm excited about Greek gods. Okay. So, she actually invented the flute. Nice. Which is also called an aulos. Okay. But she looked in the mirror and she, like, or in a, a reflective glass, and she saw that her cheeks puffed out when she was playing it, and she hated the way she looked, so she threw it away. <laughs> Me too. Rip to every single musician out there. I think the things you're ugly. <laughs> Sorry, flute players. Well, if she thought that the playing the flute was ugly, can you imagine what she would say if she saw a trombone? She would think it's awesome because no, it's brass. I don't think so. She would think it's awesome because it's brass. But your mouth would go. No, not necessarily. <laughs> if you're trying to hit okay. low notes, why are, why would you play the flute with your mouth like that? You can't see my face right now. Cheeks, but up. she her cheeks were bulging. 
then she's blowing too hard. That's what I'm saying. If she just didn't know how to play the flute. Athena, anyway, was, another, Athena was dumb when it came to music. Another god picked it up, but I didn't write down which one. I think it started with an M. Nice. It was a minor god. Um. So I could not find a lot of time, a, a lot of like actual timeline things with Athena. Like the only thing that I really saw was that the Parthenon was built in fifth century BCE. Hmm. So it seemed like she may have come a lot later than the rest of the gods in their worship. Yeah. But I don't know. I I need to look at a timeline of actual historical events. Well, in the Parthenon, so the Parthenon took a long time to build, but. In the Parthenon, there's two gods that are prominent. There's Athena on one side. There's Poseidon on the other. So, I mean, kind of leads me into my next story. You want to talk about your next story? Yeah. About the contest between Poseidon and Athena. So this is why the Parthenon was built, and this is why those two... Main that was a solid segue. Exactly. High five me. I'm good. Uh, so, the contest. Uh, Kekrops, the king of the large city, decided to have a contest to find a patron deity to oversee his great city. There were two Olympian gods who were immediately interested in the position. Poseidon, the god of the seas, and Athena both a- approached Kekrops with their intentions. I realized that I'm not going to write down stuff for Athena if we're talking about Athena inside of a Pathena episode. So I just left that blank. Uh, what? So it says Poseidon, the god of the seas, and Athena. <laughs> because I didn't want to... We're talking about Athena. Why would I say more things about Athena if we're already talking about Athena? Uh, they basically... They both approached Kekrops with their intentions. Uh, the king then asked both of them to offer a gift with tremendous value to help the city and its people. Poseidon went first. He struck the ground with his trident and created a deep well. Water immediately sprung from the well and into the town. Poseidon had hoped to provide the people with an everlasting water supply, but the water proved to be salty and not useful for drinking or or tending crops. Hmm, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, It was then Athena's turn. She came forward and stabbed her spear into the ground. She then knelt down and placed an olive branch in the narrow hole in the earth. She told Kekrops that this branch would grow into a healthy olive tree, a sign of peace and prosperity for the people of his city. So basically, she planted a tree that was supposed to bring peace and prosperity, and everyone went, Oh, all of our issues are fixed. But Poseidon made water and like an everlasting water supply, and it was just a little too salty. And so they were all like, Nope, Athena wins. That is literally the way I looked at that. Can you see what I mean? Okay, but do you also remember what the town was going to be called if Poseidon? <laughs> yeah, Pos- Pos- uh, but it was like Poseidos or Poseidos. something. Like <laughs> Poseidos. Uh, the king was truly impressed with Athena's gift and chose her to claim the city. The ah! city was so sorry, earphone listeners. <laughs> the city was then named after her and became known as Athens. She graciously, graciously accepted the job and promised to provide for the city's people as best as she could. But Poseidon was jealous and cursed the city with poor water. The city would be unable to keep up on its water supply for drinking and gardening. And to this day, droughts are blamed on Poseidon's curse on the city. Whack. Yeah. I learned new things from that story. And I know that story pretty friggin' well. Well, it, there are some iterations of the story where Poseidon's all like, <laughs> Here's a horse. 
And <laughs> me too, Athena. <laughs> and our cat, Athena. And then there's this story where he's all like, hey, have this everlasting water supply. But it was salt water. Do you know how much work it takes to make salt water into fresh water? And I doubt they had the ability to back then. Well, you spoil the water. It's fine. Whatever. That's how you get icky things out of it. You can't make fresh water out of salt water by just boiling it. And eh, whatever. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> anyway... So that's Athens, where obviously Athena is the most popular, but she's also pretty big in Sparta, where she's like a patron goddess of the city. Yep. She is supposedly the founder of Thebes. Mm-hmm. And in Corinth, she is on their coins. Yep. Um, I'm going to have Tony tell another story in which... In which we are going to talk about how she helps Heracles during his 12 labors. Yes. And we're not going to go too deep into Hercules, or Heracles, who's also called Hercules, which is his Roman name. Um, we're going to do a whole episode on Heracles, and especially his 12 labors. But basically, Hercules, or Heracles was... Just say Hercules. Yeah, Hercules was told by a king that he had to do these labors in order to finish off a debt or something like that. Basically, the king hated Heracles and was like, yeah, you're going to do all these things for me. And it was actually only supposed to be 10 labors, but he was like, yeah, one of these labors isn't going to count because you cheated, and the other one you got paid for, so... Yeah. Even though it was... Eh. But Athena helped out Heracles during multiple of his labors, and Tony is going to tell us a little bit about that. Yes. So Athena helped Hercules during labors 6, 11, and 12. So 6 was the Stymphalian birds, 11 was the golden apples of the Hesperides, and 12 was Cerberus and Hades. Uh, Well, yeah, hey, to scare off the enormous flock of birds at a lake by the town of Stymphalos during labor number number 6... Uh, Athena gave Hercules noise-making clappers known as Protala. All I can think about is those really chintzy clappers that you got at, like, parties that they would shape like hands and you clap them (laughs) and they would clap. Yeah. That's all I can picture. Uh, during labor number 11, Athena may have helped Hercules hold up the world when the Titan Atlas went to fetch the apples of the Hesperides for him. Uh, while Atlas was off getting the apples, Hercules agreed to lift up the world, a task that the Titan normally performed. After Hercules brought the apples to his taskmaster, Eurystheus, to complete this labor, they had to be returned, so Athena took them back. Weird. Yeah, there's a little bit more to that story. Atlas is basically a huge booty head. Well, yeah, he's a Titan. Not all, tit- not all Titans are bad. Well, 85% of the Titans were dick. We're not nice people. All right, tell us about labor number 12. Uh, finally, Athena may have escorted Hercules and Cerberus out of the underworld during labor number 12. Specifically, she helped Hercules in his madness, preventing him from killing more people than he already had. After tragically... Let's skip that part. Uh, Hercules was about to kill Amphitryon... and Amph- Whatever. Amphitryon? Amphitryon. But Athena knocked him out. This stopped him from murdering his mortal father. Yeet. Yeah. So while Athena has been heralded for her beauty, her efforts with Hercules reveal how much of a warrior she was. Yeah, she's pretty badass. Yeah. So, like I mentioned earlier, she also helped other heroes in their quests. And these heroes include 
Hector, Odysseus, Perseus, and Jason. Yes. From Jason and the Argonauts, which I'm super excited to get to. I love that story. Me too. So she is often depicted wearing a gold helmet. She has armor, her shield, normally the Aegis, and a spear, which, I mean, I guess that's what the weapons were back then, but it's just so weird for it to be spears. Well, if you think about it, the Greeks weren't really, like, super into hand-to-hand combat. They, like, they had the big wall around Athens. Mm -hmm. So they would stand up on the wall with their shields and their spears, and they would throw them down at Mm -hmm. people trying to invade. So they they weren't really big into hand-to-hand. Now, Sparta, on the other hand, were, like... When they were younger, they made their kids fight wolves. And if they survived, they were like men. Mm-hmm. If they didn't, they were dead. That's literally how it went down back then. So Aegis is kind of gross. Aegis is made out of the skin of a giant. Nice. Um, it also had gold tassels on it as well as Medusa's face. And I just think that whole depiction as a whole is just gross. Like, I'm imagining they're really looking gold tassels that like sit on the like box shoulders of like 80s suits 80s suits or are you talking like marching band type stuff yep yeah yep that's what i'm picturing and i'm just picturing those all around the outside of the ring so it just looks dumb (laughs) so now imagine athena wearing her helmet with the plume with those tassels hanging off she literally looks like she's going to a marching band like, you know that person who stands in the front uh-huh, and they have uh-huh. that staff? Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> Band humor. Sorry, Anthony Barrios, if you're listening. So, Athena's from pre-Hellenic times, but I don't know exactly when that was. I forgot to look it up. Nice. But, I mean, that's the be- the, but that's the only thing. I, it didn't even have years when I looked it up. Like, when I was looking up Athena... And that's that's what I'm that's what I was saying earlier is that there's just no chill out dog. And that's what I was saying earlier is that there's just no timeline for this. Like you know, most of it was like, oh, you know, been around since eight thousand BCE. Blah 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 blah. Just nothing, and it was really frustrating. Yeah. So the last thing I have is that her other symbols include snakes, ages, obviously, armor, helmets, spears. Gorgon. The Gorgon, which Gorgohion? is... Gorgohion? Gorgohion? I, I don't know what I wrote here. Gorgohion. But, but, yeah. I mean, that's it. I mean, Athena's badass, but... Yeah. I think, Tony, you have one more story, or do I, you have two? I have one last story before ending this out. So, it's about the Trojan War, which you can read in the Odyssey, but... And the Aeneid. And the Aeneid, yeah. Actually, if you're interested, there's really good versions written by Donna Rosenberg in her book, World Mythology. That's what we're reading for school. And it kind of has the text simplified and then in more detail. Yeah. And it's kind of like a good stepping point up to reading the whole text because I have one of the old English versions of Iliad and oh my goodness. Yeah, I bought it for Cece. I bought it's her good, the Iliad, really... the Odyssey. I bought her the Divine Comedy, which is the Purgatrio, uh, oh God, the Paradiso, and something else. I don't know. Uh, but I read that in high school, so I've got a leg up on her on that one. Uh, 
So the Trojan War, like I said, you can read it in the Odyssey. Uh, basically, it's Odysseus retelling the story of Troy. So like most gods, uh, Athena supported the Greeks during the Trojan War, mostly because she was not chosen by Paris as the fairest of the three goddesses. So she did this out of spite. Thank you, Athena. Yeah, that's most of the uh, that's most of the Greek gods. Yeah. Uh, in the end, she inspired Odysseus and Epios to build a wooden device in the shape of a horse, which the Greeks gained entry to the city. So, if you've ever seen the movie Troy, you know that... That movie is so inaccurate, though. Okay, it is inaccurate, but they did... I was actually watching a YouTube video last night of that scene where the Greeks are pulling in <coughs> the wooden horse. Or, not the Greeks, uh, the Trojans are pulling in the wooden horse. And it's picture for picture, image for image. Like, the hand-drawn so picture also, back from, like, the 1600s. Did you know that the story of the uh, Trojan War is actually told in more detail in the Aeneid? Yes. Yes. Uh, okay, so like I said in the movie Troy, I know it's not accurate, but still. Uh, okay, however, during, during this... Uh, she turned against the Greeks on very few occasions. She sent violent, violent, storm, violent storms at the Greek ships after they had failed to punish Ajax for rupturing her Trojan sh shrine. And she drove the Amazon called Pen Penthesilia to face Achilles in a single combat upon her arrival at Troy. Stories are so, so basically she was for the Greeks and then she turned against the Greeks because pity spite. yeah not pity spite spite revenge yeah being a real pain in the butt thanks athena <laughs> <laughs> but i mean all in all you know it's just i mean I, I know i've said this before but she's a badass oh yeah i mean i wish our cat was more like that athena no she's more of a crackhead <laughs> <laughs> the wheeze <laughs> I hope that we got the weeds. <laughs> we got the weeds. Oh my goodness. Uh, but that seems to be it for today. I mean. Yeah, I mean, this ended up being almost a full-length episode. I think I kind of like this way of doing things better, where we just focus on one and go into detail. Yeah. And so we'll probably go back and do some of the ones that we've already done and just end up redoing them in more detail with more stories. Yeah. I mean... Some of the ones that we've talked about don't, we don't need, need more to go explanations, back. But, but yeah. I mean, definitely the rest of the ones that we have left to do, and definitely... The Egyptian gods, I think we should stick with the two. The two in episode. Yeah. I agree with that, because they're all intertwined and stuff. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I think that's all we got for today. Should we do some housekeeping? Some housekeeping? If you want to find us on Facebook, oh. you can do so at... <laughs> Oh my god, I'm such an idiot. Uh, <laughs> the dog's going crazy. So yeah. <laughs> if you want to find us on Facebook, go to Mythology Breakdown, the podcast. The podcast. Uh, that's where we kind of let everyone know that when things are going to get released and any updates on our life. and We're hoping to turn it into a discussion group. Yeah. Um, on TikTok, you can find us at mythology underscore breakdown underscore pod. There I post some behind-the-scenes stuff, um, kind of go into more detail on things if people want it. 
You can see our beautiful faces. We now have a Twitter. Yep, which called is Myth Breakdown. Myth Breakdown. Yep. Um. Or at Myth Breakdown. And there we post fun facts about stuff we've already discussed, stuff that's coming up. Um. We have a Patreon. If you guys want to go donate to patreon.com slash mythology breakdown. Mm-hmm. We have a couple of different tiers. Um, if you want to look us up on Instagram, you can find us at mythology breakdown pod. I think that's all the things we have. Well, you can email us. and Oh, yeah. Email us at mythology breakdown pod at gmail.com. And if you are listening on RSS feed, because we post this to RSS feed and it automatically posts to Apple Podcasts and Spotify, uh, then, I mean, we have our all of our stuff on the RSS feed. So if you want to go give us some love on those two, that would be awesome. Yeah. And make sure you leave us a review and a rating on um, Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. We would love to hear from you guys. We would just love to hear from you guys. We want contact and now we're officially up to 44 followers on hey spotify yeah it makes me so happy that we have this little niche mm-hmm. um anyway so i think that's all we have for today yeah um yeah, yeah. we <laughs> i was trying to think of something clever and i just came up with a total blank well i think only one of us can be clever in this episode with my transition earlier i stole your cleverness i'm sorry Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. All right, fine. You come up with a clever clever line to lead us out. Oh, shit. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Until next time, I've been Cece. And I've been Tony. Have a good night. Bye. Bye.